This is an IG paid post. The news and editorial staff of the Financial Times had no role in its preparation. Hello and welcome to IG's Decoding the Markets. I'm Victoria Scholar and joining me today is Gabriel Wildau, Senior Vice President at Taneo, who focuses on political risk analysis in China, along with IG's Senior Market Analyst Josh Mahoney. Now we're here to talk about the ongoing trade war between the US and China and get a sense of how much of a recession risk it really is. So Gabriel, if I could just start with you, I mean... Would you say that the US Sinode tensions are the biggest risk to both economies and their financial markets? I'm not sure I would agree with that, actually, um, at least not in a direct way. China's economy is slowing um, quite sharply, but I would place the, uh, the blame for that slowdown mostly on domestic factors, and certainly the trade war isn't helping. But if we look at China's economy right now, what we see is uh, that infrastructure investment has slowed quite substantially. Manufacturing investment has slowed substantially. Consumption is also slowing, especially um, automobiles. And I would place all of those factors ahead of the trade war in terms of the impact on China's economy. Now, when we look at manufacturing investment, we have to recognize that the trade war is affecting the manufacturing investment, especially through sentiment. So. Uh, factory owners are worried about what's coming. They're worried about whether they'll have a place to sell their, the output of their factories, and, and the trade war is, is fueling those worries. But uh, trade is a, is a, if we look over the last decade or so, the uh, importance of exports for China's economy is reduced. So I would put domestic factors ahead uh, of the trade war, but certainly the trade war isn't helping, and certainly China's leadership is, is worried, uh, and certainly investors are nervous, and the uncertainty is is preventing them from making big uh, big decisions on capital expenditure. Yeah, and I think a lot of investors are looking now towards these high-level talks that are happening in mid-October between Washington and Beijing. I mean, Josh, what are you expecting there? What are the chances of a deal? And I mean, which side is likely to be forced into the most concessions? Well, of course, this came about in the first place because there was a big discrepancy between what the US was selling and what the US was actually doing in the opposite direction. Now, ultimately, I don't necessarily think we're going to see that breakthrough in these talks. I mean, it does feel like we've got Groundhog Day in terms of each time we come back into this position where we have these high-level talks, um, we don't really see that final breakthrough. And that's because I think to a large extent, some of the issues are maybe not actually going to be able to be resolved when it comes to uh, intellectual property and the like. So certainly in the lead up to this meeting, we haven't necessarily had a great tone from the likes of the US. Of course, we had that speech from Donald Trump, who was talking about the Chinese economic model being based on the likes of currency manipulation, trade barriers, forced tech transfers and stolen intellectual property. That doesn't necessarily lead me to believe that they're in this kind of position where we're going to see that final breakthrough. So, you know, certainly in the past, it seems like they have made progress. But I think that was on the easy, say, 90%. That remaining 10%, I think, is going to be very difficult to overcome. I mean, Gabriel, what are your thoughts on some of the reports we had last week that the White House could be looking at imposing investment restrictions by, you know, curbing capital flows into China or uh, limiting Chinese companies from trading on US exchanges? I mean, we know this was denied by the White House over the weekend, but is this a real risk, do you think? I don't think it's a risk in the short term, but those reports are certainly an indicator of how sharply the mood in Washington has turned towards hostility against China. And 
uh, in the U.S. Congress, some of the most hawkish voices are quite explicitly endorsing those kinds of restrictions. Um, my read of the politics in D.C. at the moment are that we're not likely to see those those restrictions in the short term, but if relations continue to deteriorate and political uh, support for getting even tougher against China uh, builds, then then that could be on the table. Um, and the impact on, on uh, the global investment climate, I think, would be enormous. So when we're thinking about the investment climate then, I mean, Josh, what do you think the trade war really means in terms of looking for investment in opportunities? Are there still opportunities within um, the US and Chinese equity space? Where do we go into the year end? Yeah, I think, look, ultimately, the likes of the Asian markets have massively underperformed the US markets, mainly because of the idea that actually this trade war comes to the benefit of the US and to the detriment of Chinese equities and Chinese uh, companies. So I guess the question mark is, who's going to benefit the most when it comes to the final sort of resolution to this trade war? There is an argument to be said that actually, given the fact that we have been seeing that underperformance for Chinese stocks, they could be the outperformer. Um, but I do also think that you're going to see big strength in terms of the US markets should we see some sort of positive conclusion to these talks. Because, of course, the idea is that this trade talk between the two sides is supposed to be evening out that playing field that, of course, in the past has heavily benefited China. I mean, Gabriel, have there been any surprise winners from the trade war in terms of countries or sectors so far, or even looking to the future, where do you think the opportunities could be? Yeah, if we look at the trade data, what we see is that imports to the U.S. uh, are shifting from China to other exporters like Vietnam, Malaysia, uh, uh, Taiwan, South Korea, and Mexico. And uh, I expect that to continue, but I still think we're at this transitional phase or this this period of uncertainty where there's a certain amount of trade that's relatively easy to divert from China to other countries, light manufacturing, stuff that is more uh, assembling components that are imported from elsewhere, and then just giving them the final assembly in, in, in the exporting country. But when we think about the more complex forms of manufacturing where there's very thick supply chains, very complex supply chains, and not every country is able to replace China. And I think for that kind of trade, what we see is that uh, companies are in a wait-and-see mode because the investment required to really uproot their supply chains from China and transfer them to any of those countries that I mentioned uh, is a huge decision. And those countries are still hopeful that this U.S.-China trade war will reach some kind of resolution and then they can come back to at least some version of uh, business as usual. And so to see a really deep form of uh, reshaping of global trade flows, I think we're not at that point yet. All right. Now, Josh, just very, very quickly before we end, I mean, we've talked about the US and China here. What about trade wars on other fronts? I mean, we've heard about this um, sort of dispute between uh, the WTO, the ruling essentially that's likely to be in the favour of the US, which could benefit uh, Boeing at the expense of Airbus. I mean, do you think there could be a new trade war about to erupt between the US and the EU? 
Yeah, so you've got the potential for this $7.5 billion uh, tariff that apparently the WTO have given a green light to um, for the US to, of course, sort of even out the playing field that apparently the EU has been really sort of given the go-ahead to uh, the likes of Airbus. Now, ultimately, I think that this is something that has been playing out in the background. Of course, the US-China issue is always going to be at the forefront of people's mind, but 2017 saw $100 billion worth of trade deficit between the two sides is certainly something that needs to be resolved. And I think this is something that's going to come back into the fore. The difference here is you've got democracy uh, within the likes of the Eurozone and the EU. And of course, as you see any sort of economic deterioration, so it really does put the pressure on some of these leaders. So I don't think they're going to want to see any sort of drawn out trade war between the two sides. All right, that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for listening to IG's Decoding the Markets. And thanks to my guests, Gabriel Wildow from Taneo and Josh Mahoney from IG. 